you know Jesus said, I am the way? Amen. Did you know the original church, they were not called Christians till at Antioch? And so Christian is not a title that showed up in the original church until quite a distance of time had passed. They were called the way. Everybody say the way. And I think as we get closer to Jesus' coming, we're going to have to be a church that knows the way again. Amen? And I want to talk to you for just a little while about that. Would you stand with me for the reading of the word? We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12. I covet your prayers. for the preacher to hear from the Lord and to preach it without the filter or to get past the flesh. To just let the Lord speak through them. I don't know if you know, if you understand that concept, but it's a very real concept. Wanting to say it the way I felt it in prayer, say it the way I um, the Lord has impressed it on my heart, that's very important. So let's go to chapter 12. Some of the kids are going to be dismissed right now. Don't worry about the confusion of that. We love our children. Amen. Are you glad for a kid's life? Amen. Raising a child up. We said the success of this church is when we obey the word of God. We're teaching our kids how to obey the word of God. Amen. It's important. Chapter 12, we're foreseeing we also are compassed. Notice that the word compass is in there that we are compassed or surrounded about with so great a cloud of witnesses. These are people that have gone on before, people that had passed on with a, a life and a legacy of living for Jesus, whether martyred or not. That was the cloud it's talking about, those that are in heaven, those that have gone on with a testimony of living for God no matter what. But he's saying because we have all of these examples in front of us, this whole cloud of examples of people that live for God, died for God, have done everything they could to, to walk in the way. He says this, let us lay aside every weight. How many know we're living in weighty times? We are living in weighty times. And the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto the government. Uh, are you guys with me? Looking unto stimulus checks. Looking unto insurance claims. Looking unto our neighbors, our friends. No. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. For who the, for, who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For we consider him that endured such contradiction of sins against himself lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. How many know you can be tired in your mind and still be strong in your body? Have you ever gone to sleep at night, woke up tired? You slept all night but you woke up tired? That's called being weary in your mind. And he said, if you point your life back to Jesus, 
If you put him as your consideration, it will keep you from having a weary mind in these days that we live in. I think we ought to get a new north, amen? I, th I know some of you have lived with, your, with a, a true north being Jesus Christ for many years, but I'm going to preach for just a little while about don't stop climbing. Don't stop climbing. This is not a time to give up, sit down, and just say, well, it's getting bad. I think I'll just wait it out and see what happens till Jesus comes. No, we need to go ahead and claw our way up that next face, amen? We need to get an energy inside of us that says, if I have to pray it out of the way, if I have to climb over it, if I have to go around it, Brother Adon, if I have to tunnel through it, I'm going to get that kind of attitude and say, I'm just going to keep climbing. Until Jesus comes, you're going to find me climbing. Amen? Come on, let's get that attitude in this house of excitement that we're on a climb, amen, that we're part of this, that we're engaged, the fact that we have the opportunity to participate in the end times, the end of the end days, the last of the last days, and we're in this climb together, amen. I'm excited about this word. Jesus, give us an understanding that participation is powerful, that being a part of it, even though the climb is hard, even though the climb is rigorous and takes all kinds of gear and understanding and, and knowledge, God. I pray that you just help us to recognize that we're still climbing. We're still apart. We're still moving forward. Even if we fall, we fall forward. God, help us today to stand up and to be excited about what you're doing. And remember, we just got to put one foot in front of the other and keep climbing in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Our earth has magnetic polar north and polar south. Have you ever heard the saying, opposites attract? How many have ever heard that? Talk about it in relationships. Hey, opposites attract. Sometimes you meet somebody and they're very quiet and they're dating or they're married to someone who's really crazy, really out loud. Just blah. They just, they just love life and they're just ah. Everything, always on. They don't have an off. They're always on. Just, yeah, let's go get a double hot macchiato from Starbucks. And let's go. I mean, they're just always excited about something. And then you see the husband or the wife, whichever one is the opposite, and they're like, yeah, peace. <laughs> when you, you're like, do you have any emotions? Yeah. Inform your face. <laughs> You have is is there any excitement in you? Yeah, I'm excited right now. I'm so excited. I'm coming out of my skin. Oh, one of those quiet, you know, just, and that's okay. There's introverts. There's extroverts. There's all kinds of different personalities, and we're so thankful that God uses every single individual that comes to Him, Amen. Regardless of their personality, you may not go on vacation with them, but you have to understand that they are your brother and sister in the Lord. And though there's differences in the house of God, we can be unified in spirit, Amen. Yes, I believe that. I believe we can be unified in spirit. I believe that we can find a true north in Jesus Christ and we can all point that direction and have a magnetism in the house of God that draws together even polar differences, even people who are not the same in, in beliefs and structures and understandings, but they are the same in their beliefs and structures and understanding of the word of God. They know who they serve and they know how they're saved and they know how they walk with God and that brings a true north, amen. You can be completely 
opposite in personality and be completely drawn together in the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Because that is a magnetic draw of the church, the Holy Spirit, the, the working of the Holy Spirit, signs, miracles, and wonders in the church is what draws the world to it. They can be the farthest thing from God. They can be the polar opposite of anything godly. But when they come in contact with the magnetism of the magnificent power of the Holy Ghost, they cannot help themselves. They are drawn to the power of God. And I can tell you that if you get into a service where God is moving, I mean really moving. I mean there is anointed preaching. There's anointed playing. There's anointed singing. There is something that just turns around in your life and everything in you wants to repent and go back to God. Everything in you wants to recalibrate to Christ Jesus. Amen. So I preach today that you are on a climb in your life. You are going somewhere and you need a compass to guide you in your life. And that is Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that church? compass is suspended. It's a small magnetic pin in a compass that is suspended so that it can spin freely inside its casing and respond to our planet's magnetism. We know that the earth groans, amen. It longs for redemption, the scripture says. We are in a fallen world and it wants to be all of creation groans for redemption. We know that. So there are changes happening in the planet. You call it global warming. You call it whatever you want to. But the Bible talks about this planet being burnt up with fervent fire in the last days. Things are going to continue to change. Even our polar north has moved over 700 miles towards Siberia because the magnetism of the planet is changing. It's affecting compasses. It's affecting the ability to find direction and know which way to go. I'm not just talking about grid north or polar north. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. And making an application today that though the world may change, the world may move the goalpost, the world may move what is supposed to be set and stay set. Though it moves out of the way and you can't seem to find the right direction in some place where you're searching, if you stay connected to Jesus Christ, you will always have a proper direction in your life. He will help you. He will guide you. The compass needle aligns itself and points toward the top of the earth's magnetic field, giving explorers and lost souls a consistent sense of direction. I wonder if lost souls in this day are going to come to the Lord because the church gets a stronger sense of their compass, Jesus Christ. I wonder if the Lord if the Lord is literally working in this world today and things are becoming so weighty so that we can stand up and say there is a great cloud of witnesses that are encompassed all about us and they're pointing the way to salvation. They're pointing the way through the 
word of God to the things of God by their examples that are recorded in scripture. By David walking with God through all of his failures. By Daniel walking with God through political unrest. And if you look in the first church, you find that there is racism. There's religious breakdown. There's corruption all over the place. There is all kinds of difficult social and strategic things happening that are coming against the church, that first church. And it is no different and no worse now than it was then, brothers and sisters. I know we say the world is getting worse, and I know it seems like everything is being shaken. Can I tell you, you need a compass in these times. They cannot be shaken. They cannot be moved. You need Jesus who has stood through all of it. The first church lived through it. They died by the sword. Some of them, they died in, in places of coliseums being shed blood as martyrs. They, they died in places of, of gatherings where they were gathered together. They have always, there has always been persecution on the church, but there has still always been direction from the church to the world. There's always been a compass left in the earth, and that is God's spirit, and that is Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And I'm thankful that I can preach to you that I know a way, no matter what happens in our world, I know a way that is going to be successful. And I, I talked to a friend of mine who's a climber, and you have to put on certain gear, and you have to make sure that the rope is fastened tightly. And I was asking questions about what are the tips if I was to go and climb a rock face or climb a mountain, what are some of the tips you could give me? And one of the resounding tips that really struck my heart was they said never when you're climbing a rock face, it's better to move from a position where you push than move from a position where you pull. It is more secure to push your way to your next position than it is to pull your way to your next position. And my brain just started going off because if you know me, you know I have acronyms. And, and push just means pray until something happens. Amen? And so I believe that in these last days, we need to start praying until something happens. That we need to just continue to understand that we have a sure footing. They, he's, they said, make sure that you have a sure footing. And then when you go to move, you push off that sure footing and you move. If we can get our feet and our lives founded on Jesus Christ, a true compass, a true direction, that we are stable in him. And every time we move as a church, we just have to move in prayer. We just have to push through fasting. We just have to push through doing what God calls us to do, to rejoice, to rejoice in God. Charles Spurgeon said to rejoice in temporal comforts is dangerous to rejoice in self is foolish to rebuke or to rejoice in sin is fatal but to rejoice in God is heavenly literally while we're climbing while we see the rigors of being a christian in this crazy world we live in we can rejoice in God and have heaven on earth 
we can have an understanding that this may be a strange place to live until Jesus comes. There may be some stuff happening that throws my compass off, and I'm not sure which way I'm going or what I'm doing because when you get in certain places on planet Earth, the magnetic field changes, and it can tamper with the compass. And when you get in some places spiritually as you're walking through life, you can get in places where your compass gets off and you can't seem to find your way and there seems to be more confusion in your life in some moments than others. And you can go through some hardship that really gets your compass out of calibration and you can lose a loved one and it can seem to really mess up your direction and you can't seem to find the right way to go. You go over here and try to get some comfort or you go over there and you try to figure it out and some even don't know what to do. So they run over to this bottle and they get drunk or they run over to this drug. I wonder if this is the way. I wonder if that's the way. And they can't quite figure out the way to go. But when you get to those points, there are places on planet Earth when you're climbing that they lose their compass, their, their compass grounding. And the only way that they can find their way is to get to a map that tells them the magnetic level is low in this valley. The magnetic level is, is poor in this particular peak. And then they have to go by the map that is given to them in order for them to find true north. Whenever the world gets so out of sync with the word of God and when the world gets so out of sync with what God is doing because of the movement of the spirit of the Antichrist, brothers and sisters, your compass is going to get uncalibrated. You're going to find moments where you're confused and you're like, I don't know what's going on. Why is, why is this still happening? What is going on? Has God forgotten us? Go to the map. There's some place where you can find that can still give you true north if you have a map in the low moments, in the valleys, in the losses. When you lose magnetic north, when you lose the ability to find your way with, with what's in you and what, what you're going through, is there's moments, is there moments that are so difficult that you literally have to sit down and just try to process it. I know this week we, we had a funeral yesterday here for Cheryl Cronquist, and I saw the family dealing with a difficulty. What were they doing? They're like, she's gone, and I don't know what to do with the loss. I can't seem to find, I can't seem to find what that looks like. And so they come to the church, and they, they put out the ashes, and they put out the pictures, and they put out the flowers, and they say, is this how we get back to finding our way? We've lost something we love. How do we do this? And what they were doing was they were coming to the house of God, and then you get up and you share scriptures with them and all of a sudden the map the compass wasn't working it's just efforts in grief but the map the word of God began to be spoken over them in a memorial service and suddenly they say oh blessed is the death of the saints oh oh good for us there's a place prepared for us in glory don't be concerned don't be worried their life has changed not ended and all of a sudden the word of God the map tells them no don't look at the compass of your emotions don't look at the compass of what's going on in our world don't look at the out of sync compass of our political world dear lord no look at the map of god abide in christ jesus john 14 or 15 i can't remember john 14 abide in christ jesus and you will get your true north back what if today we could rejoice in god and find heavenly direction in a place that has no more grounding 
There's no more magnetic north in the earth. Everyone is doing their own thing, going their own way. But what if we look to the word of God and the word of God says, wherefore seen we are compassed about. It's saying those stories in the word of God, the map that's in the book, the people that are recorded in here, they are a compass to you. They are to help you in your directions in life. When you wonder what to do, go find a situation similar in the word of God and say, if it worked there, it can work for me. If, the, if God did it for them, he can do it for me. That is your direction. And then it says, this great cloud of witnesses, they're like a compass for you. They'll help you and give you direction from their testimonies of living for God and keeping Jesus their true north. And the sin which let us lay aside every weight in, in, in traveling and in asking individuals and learning, going to man-ups and different things and learning about compass work, there are things you can have on your person or in your pack that will affect your compass. There are things that you can have in your life that affect your true north. There are some things that you can have in your life that you think, well, that's not really all that bad. It may not be a sin, but it might be a weight. And a weight can throw off the magnetic calibration of the compass in your hand, whether it's a large knife or it's some sort of metal object on your bag. You literally have to take it out and remove it far enough from you so that your compass can go back to true north. And that is what Jesus... Oh, I wish somebody would preach to me. Go ahead, sit on me today. I'll get excited. I'm working on two hours of sleep in the last two days, and I'll have enough energy by the Holy Ghost to get excited. I just want to stand on something and say, I've still got Jesus in my life. I've still got a true north, and I'm crazy enough to say that he can keep me in these last days. He can keep me in these last days. I believe that. And so it says that they... Let us lay aside every weight. There's some things in my life. That's why we pray, God, what's affecting my compass? God, is there something in my life that's throwing me off? And I thought I was going north following you, but really I've been going west too long. Or I've been going south thinking I was going north. And suddenly you're so confused you don't know where you are. And you go back to the word of God and you go, something's not right. So, something's not right. There's, there's got to be a way to find out and then all of a sudden you begin to read the word of God and you realize as you pray and read the word of God, you realize there's some weights in my life. I've got some bitterness. I've got some hurts. I've got some pains and they've been throwing my compass off. They've been throwing off the way I see Jesus. They've been throwing off the way I look at him. And then he, as you pray, he begins to heal and he says, let me take that from you. Let me be the God who buries all of your sins let me be the God who wipes away and covers it in my blood. Let me be the God. No, I'm not just going to take it out of your pack, the thing that's throwing you off. I'm not just going to remove it and set it next to you. I'm going to cast it as far as the east is from the west. I'm going to pull it so far away and out of your life that you never have a desire to go back to it, that you never have a desire to be bound by it again, that you never have a desire to be addicted to it again, that literally when you're given the opportunity 
You're like, nope, that's not it. I've been having that removed from my life so long I don't even recognize the man or woman I was then. I'm a totally different individual. I've been walking by Jesus so long that those things are buried under the blood for so long that it doesn't even affect my guidance anymore, my compass. I'm literally changed by removing the weights out of my life, and he casted them as far as the east is from the west. He's saying, I'll give you true north. I'll remove it from your life. If you just give it to him, he'll take it away, and he'll help you remove it out of your life. And the sin, which does so easily beset us, the word beset means to push on you from every side. Literally, to have your compass out and say, yeah, I love Jesus. I, I believe him, and, I, and I, I'm full of the Holy Ghost, and I, and I, I try to live a life uh, walking in the Spirit. I, I'm, I'm Spirit walking. I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm trying to be led by God. But I have this sin in my life that my flesh enjoys, and, and I run to it when I have low moments, and I fall into it accidentally sometimes. What's happening, you're like, this isn't working. Uh, maybe this will help. And the devil says, try it, taste it. You'll like it. And then you go and you try it and you taste it and you like it. And, you, and then he jumps in the changer and comes out with a new suit and says, you hypocrite, look at you. You're supposed to have your little compass. You're supposed to have your Jesus. You're, you're walking with God. No, you're not. Look at how, how many times have you fallen into the same thing? How many times have you messed up the same? How many times you accidentally hurt that person with those words? Same thing. You can't, you can't tame your tongue. You just can't seem to do it. You just you always try, oh, I'll do better. I won't say hurtful stuff. And you still can't tame it. But James says the Holy Ghost can for you. The Holy Ghost can help you. And whether the devil comes out as your accuser, the Lord took care of the enemy. If he reminds you of your past and your failures, just remind him he's got no, fail, no future. Amen. And we do. And guess what? He cannot be saved. He cannot recalibrate. He lost his true north when he fell out of heaven. And we can recalibrate on our deathbed. We can recalibrate in a moment where nobody, where he cannot, he cannot go back to what he was. But we cannot only go back. We can get on our knees and say, I tr I'm sorry, I messed up, but I need to pick up this compass again. Jesus, would you help me? God, I need to get out of this. I can't live like this. I don't want to be in this place. And God will be going, oh, wait a minute, something's happening. Something, something is moving. This is not where I'm supposed to be. I wasn't supposed to live there. I wasn't supposed to be bound by that. Those chains were never meant to be on my arms and feet, metaphorically speaking. But then all of a sudden the compass starts moving. Then you realize, oh, over here, this is where God had me all along. And he puts you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And you realize that the word of God is a map to you. When the compass stops working or when you feel like you can't hear his voice, you've got a whole book full of his voice. That's the word made flesh, amen? And you can go find a recalibration in him in that map. And so climbers know you can't always trust the compass when you get in certain magnetic fields when you're climbing a mountain. But you can always trust the map to help you recalibrate the compass. And I'm not saying that Jesus is 
a noun, a compass. I'm not saying that. I'm saying as a metaphor, he is like a compass to us. But there are things that can happen to you in life. There are some scars and some tragedies and some serious traumas that happen to people in their life where they don't even believe the compass works anymore. Some people are uncomfortable with a God that disappoints them. Listen to me. There's a reason why some people are atheists and some people are agnostic. Agnostics don't, are not saying there is no God. They just are difficult with a God that might disappoint them. A God they pray to and ask for something and it doesn't come to pass. One young girl was put into the foster system. Her mom tried to commit suicide and they removed the kids, her sister and her brothers, from her care and they put them in the foster system. And she said she lost her compass. She didn't know how to find Jesus at that moment. And she said, well, my mom always said pray. So she got her compass out. She prayed. And she said, Lord, if you're there, please put my family back together again. Please put my family back together again. And she said, because it didn't happen, I didn't want to serve that, that God. She literally took out the thing that lost its magnetic force in her life, Jesus Christ, and said, if you'll do this, I will follow you. And God didn't respond to her the way that she thought he would. But later in life, she realized that when she went back to the word of God, the thing that she thought was broken actually just needed to be recalibrated with the word of God because she was living on her emotions and not living on truth. And she said, Lord, I'm sorry. I blamed you for not putting my family back together and I was asking for something that was toxic. I was asking for something that I wanted, but it wasn't what was best for me. I wonder if maybe we thought we lost true north sometimes on our compass, but really it's God not giving us what we asked for because he's wanting to give us something better. I wonder if maybe there's been pressures in our life that have pushed on every side and it's gotten our sinner off, that we are beset, literally pushed around every different direction by what's going on in this world and life to where we don't feel like we have centered up to Jesus Christ and we can walk directly toward him. I'm finishing today. But I wonder if while you're climbing, you lost your true north. Has there ever been a place where you felt like you just didn't have a sink with heaven? Has there ever been a place where you felt like something was off? that is when you need to go back to prayer, back to the word of God. And that is also when you need to find a place where you say they succeeded. They walk with God. They suffered violence, yes. Some of them died by the sword. Some of them died by the mouth of lions. But they never gave up on their true north. They never gave up on their God. And if we have weights and sins that push us around or beset us, we have to lay them down and recalibrate with the word of God.
find out what the Word of God says. And so my, my, my climbing friend said that there is always another person who is called the belay, and they put the rope on them, and they are a stable place, not right underneath you, so that if you fall, you fall on them. But they have more of a vantage point to see your climb and how you're climbing. And they have a belay, and they help you while you're climbing. I wonder if maybe today, if your compass is off, if you couldn't go around a brother and sister who could be your belay and could see the vantage point. I know you're going through it. I know you're in the fog of hurt and pain. I know I see the climb is difficult, but I've got you. I, I'm, I'm grounded. I've got Jesus. I've got my compass calibrated to Christ in the word of God, and I can hold you. If you would just come to the house of God, if you would just come to prayer, if you would just come to me and say, you know what? I want to be honest with you, and I'm struggling today. If you will do that, let there be true Bible spiritual people in the church today who have their compass calibrated properly, who have their life lived by the word of God, who aren't underneath people falling so that when they fall, they fall with them, but they're literally standing with a better vantage point, with more spiritual maturity, and they say, I can hold you. Come, let's pray. I'll put my arm around you. We'll recalibrate together. You and I will repent together. We will walk with God together. We'll find the way together. We could do this, you and me, as we remember him today. Did you know that he left in Scripture a very beautiful thing that can recalibrate us? And that is that recalibrating is just going back to the original settings. And if we need anything in this world today, we need a church that knows how to go back to the original settings that God designed for his church in this world. We need to recalibrate. How do we recalibrate? By remembering Jesus Christ. Ushers, would you help me today? Would you stand? We're going to take communion, and we're going to recalibrate through communion. We're going to reset our compass, and we're going to do what God calls us to do. Sarah, I need my If you haven't taken communion before, I want to tell you you're welcome to take it here and now as long as you take it with respect. That this is what Jesus did for us. That this juice represents his shed blood for us. And the wafer represents his body broken. His body broken for us. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians 11:24. He said, and when he gave thanks, he break it, the bread. Jesus at the Last Supper has lifted up the, the bread. He said, and when he gave thanks, he break it, the bread, and said, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance or to recalibrate yourself of me to remember what I've done for you and to reset. After the same manner also he took the cup and when he had supped saying, this is the cup, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink in remembrance of me.
Understand that communion doesn't save us. Communion recalibrates us. Communion reminds us of what he did for us. We are to remember the agony of the cross. The awful price Jesus paid to save our soul. To give us a true north and a compass. He died in my place. He died in your place. That was your cross. That was my cross. He suffered greatly when he did. Number two, we should remember we are to remember what he achieved. He paid the price of death. The debt is paid. Somebody said amen. Three days later, he was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is a living God. This act we do of sacraments is in reminding of his death and we walk with him in life as a living God. We are to remember his soon return. When he returns for his church, he will fully complete what he came to earth to do. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six says, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show, or you show, the Lord's death till he come. When we participate in communion, we are declaring or showing our faith in the death, burial, and resurrection and soon return of our Lord Jesus. It is a witness. Everyone say witness for those who observe it. Before we take part in the Lord's Supper, we need to search our hearts and confess and repent our sins. We need to set aside every weight and sin that has pushed us around recently. Would you bow your heads with me and would you pray? Oh, I just want to pray the word of the Lord. It says, search me, O God. Know my heart. This is a respectful, this is a serious moment right now in the presence of the Lord. If you have had trouble finding your way, today you're going to recalibrate. Try me. Know my thoughts, Lord Jesus. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the way, God. I need a recalibration today. Come on, somebody get real with the Lord right now. This is a holy moment. I need my compass realigned with your word. Lead me in the way everlasting. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Take a moment to confess and repent. Just take a moment to repent. Say, Lord, forgive me of everything. Ask him to be, to be your God who cleanses. Cleanse us of sin and selfishness, Lord, right now in this room. And as the music is playing, and as you've asked the Lord to forgive you, he's faithful and just to forgive you. It's done right now. If you did it with a very pure heart and you said, Lord, forgive my sins, help me, it's done. You can take part in this communion. What we're going to do is we're going to start in the middle aisle on both sides. We're going to come down. We're going to take to communion, which has a no-contact wafer. On the top, you peel the top label. Because of COVID, we want to do no-contact communion today. So you peel the top, you take the wafer out, and then you peel the next one, and that gets you to the juice, okay? We're going to start here with Vicki and Sarah, and we're going to come down the middle aisle. So you'll be stepping out this way take your communion elements and then go back around the outside and go back into your pews, okay? 
let's walk together and get our elements. Those that want to participate, come now. Sarah, begin. Vicki, if you would begin. Come down and exit uh, around and back to your seats. some crackers in the house, find some juice, and join us in this communion service. Lead me, Lord, I will follow. It's the remembrance. It's not what kind of wafer, and it's not what kind of juice. Just find something to join in online if you're there. You have called me. I will answer. Lead me, Go ahead and get your wafer out. And then peel back the top for the juice. Every, I, every person ready to take communion. You have peeled the top off the juice and you have the wafer in your hand. Would you try to get a vision right now of what Jesus did for you personally, that his blood was shed and his body was broken for you? Would you take a moment and just thank him? was supposed to be my death, but you died for me because you could get up. I couldn't get up. I couldn't keep climbing, but you ascended the mountaintop of Calvary for me. And you call to me and say, keep climbing. You're not done yet. Keep climbing. So in this communion, I recalibrate my heart and my life. And I remember you, Jesus. I remember you, Jesus. Luke 22 and 19 says, And he took the bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is the body, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Take the bread, break it in your hand, and think of him, how his body was broken for you, and eat the bread. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. 
Take the juice, drink it, thinking of Jesus' blood that was shed to cleanse us from sin. Let's take a moment to experience the sweet presence of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We die for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I remember you, Lord. As we remember you, Lord. I will go where you say. Jesus, take me now, I am yours. Would you lift a hand in this room and just begin yours. to worship him? Would you just thank him and take a moment with him? If you want to kneel and pray, do that. You can leave your communion cups back here on the tray. Take a moment with Jesus and just thank him for all that he's done. Thank you, Jesus. Here I am. Hallelujah, Jesus. This altar's open if you want to come and pray. Remember you, Lord. Jesus, take me now. I won't go south anymore when I'm supposed to be going towards you, Jesus. I won't go the other way. I'll repent and turn around. I've repented and I turned around. I've recalibrated through communion. I've recalibrated through remembering what you did for me. That you deserve my life. That you deserve all of me. I give you myself today, Lord, because you gave yourself for me. 